All right, we're back with another episode from the Mobile Man Cave. It's the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Tokyo Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house. Oh, yeah, we're kicking back in the Mobile Man Cave, old school Chevy van here in Japan. And we're right across the street from a pretty interesting event they have here in Tokyo, like the uh, Tokyo Rainbow Pride 2019 event. Yes. Exciting. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, so we're gonna we gonna we gonna be next to all these free and free birds and everything, man. So it's gonna be a great time. Yeah, we'll we'll go over there after the yeah, recording, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. So our guest today is a very special lady. Um, she's coming in from London, actually. Uh, spent some time in Japan, but relocated to London. And yeah, we're gonna let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Amina Dijan. Nice to talk to everyone. Nice to be on. Yeah, great to have you. So give us a little, give us a self-introduction, brief introduction of who you are. Um, okay, so I lived in Japan for about three years, a little less, more than three years. Um, I lived there from the time I was about 18 to, I don't know, 21. And I did idol stuff there, a few music videos. Um... Now I guess I do more like social media stuff. Uh, I'm really into sex worker rights, things like that. Um, currently, I'm writing a book about my experiences in Japan, and yeah. Great, great, great. So yes, former idol, um, sex worker rights activist, yeah. and um, social uh, YouTube uh, YouTube yeah, yeah, influencer. Yeah. yeah, all of that, and right? An author. Author, yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. to be New York bestseller. <laughs> so. Visualization, visualizations. All right. So, yeah. So, so you said you were an idol. And, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are not familiar with Japanese culture. So we're going to have you explain what an idol is because I, I think there's, um, you know, different definitions of an idol, you know, in Japan and in the United States. So, Yes, please tell us what an idol is in Japan versus in America. Yo, what's up? This is Mega of the Mega Late Show. You are listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. This is Nina from the band The Ocean and I, and you're listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. So an idol in Japan, I mean, it's no different really than like girl groups in America, you know, TLC, Destiny's Child, um, I don't know, even like New Kids on the Block, stuff like that. Those are like, I guess, what you would consider to be idol groups. But the difference in Japan is that their public image is more important than necessarily like maybe their talent or their skills. People like them because of their personalities. And I think the biggest difference in Japan and America is that the appeal to idols is that you want to see them grow into this amazing performer. They don't already have to be this perfect performer. You kind of, It's kind of like why people like the show American Idol. They want to see somebody from a small town go on to, you know, do big things and get better at their skills and work hard. Um, so that's the biggest difference between an idol in Japan and in America. Okay. So... How did you get into this uh, was Japanese subculture? So from the time I was really, really young, I'd say at about 10, 11, I was really into like 
Japanese pop culture. I was never really like a big anime fan, nothing like that. It was more so like the fashion, like Harajuku, that kind of stuff. Like I always loved fashion.、Uh, coming up in Detroit, we always had to wear like school uniforms to our school. So for me, it was like seeing like these girls like wear like these really cool costumes and outfits. It was kind of like art to me. So that's what I really got into. And then from there, I found out about Japanese idol culture. Um, I started uploading videos on YouTube when I was about 14. Yeah, at about 14, I was uploading videos on YouTube, like saying, Oh, I want to be an idol in Japan. And it was just kind of like a fun hobby. Like, I wasn't really serious about like wanting, I didn't think it would happen, you know, but I took Japanese lessons then too, because where I'm from has a large Japanese population. So, from there, when I was about 15, 16, I was scouted by a Japanese talent management. I did live streams on their platform, and I was starting to get about like a thousand viewers, two thousand viewers, like a live stream, like all from Japan. So, they basically said, like, if you want to go to university in Japan, we'll act as your management company in Japan. We'll try to make something happen for you. So, that's when I started. I made my first CD.、Um, I had merchandise. It sold out on Kickstarter. And yeah, from there I moved to Japan January 1st, 2015. Wow. So, so basically, they were giving you an opportunity to work for them、mm. as well as go to school? What, what, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. So, so, I was planning on going to college anyway. And、okay. I was. Had my eyes set, and I was trying to go somewhere in Chicago. You know, I didn't think I was going to Japan, but they offered me this like contract to serve as like my entertainment company and like promote me in Japan. And it was just like a dream that I always had. So it was like, you know, I'm just going to take this shot, you know, while I can, see if it works. If it doesn't work, then I had an experience. But basically, then I applied for university in Japan and just got in because I still knew I wanted to continue my education. Okay, cool, cool. So, you know, I was reading、um, a piece that you did,、uh, you wrote for、mm. the Medium the、mm-hmm. website,、um, your profile on there. And you talked about your, you know, your experience as an idol, but、mm. you also talked about the interview. Right. Oh,、uh, is that for the Gravier company? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, all right. That was a little later on, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what article you're talking about. Okay, so. The, the Gravier, how, how do you pronounce that? Gravier. Gravier.、Mm. What, what, is, what is that exactly? It's like modeling, like, but it's more like bikini modeling、okay. in Japan. But a lot of like models and stuff, they'll start off doing Gravier idols. They'll start off、okay. with Gravier. So there is a difference between Gravier idol and just an idol? There are some idols they only just do Gravier, like they model for like maybe men's magazines or I don't know, promotional stuff, you know. They might be at like, what are those girls that go at like events, like at the booths, like trying to sell stuff,、oh, like promotional yeah, girls? Yeah, they yeah. might do stuff、okay. like that,、okay. but they don't like sing and dance. Whereas, like a normal like idol, they'll might like have pictures like in bikinis and stuff, and they might do gravure, but that's not like the main thing that they do. Like, they still like sing, dance, all that stuff. Now, when you were talking about men's magazines, what were you referring to? Like,、uh, Um, yeah, what, 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 what men's magazines like? Like, I was in Weekly Playboy, but just、mm-hmm. like the online publication. So that's like a Japanese, I guess, men's magazine. So, was it, I mean, did it involve any nudity or? Um, or I never did any nudity,、mm-hmm. but it, it can involve nudity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. 
And so how were you then? How old were you then when you did the Playboy thing? How old was I? I had to be 19, 20. I think I just turned 20 then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Because I used to see the Bikini Idols myself, <laughs> you know, because they're all in the 7-Eleven magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, you know, you know. now now they kind of like, you know, because uh, all the guys will go in and just like I used to do, i just go look in the magazine and uh, thumb through it and say, wow, they look good. Wow, they're fine. <laughs> and then I'll leave and not buy shit. Yeah. So nowadays they, they got ropes around them and yeah, this, that, and the other. Up. And they seal them up and everything. So, uh so I'm sorry, brother messed it up for everybody. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to, you know, clarify, you know, want you to clarify yeah, uh, yeah. what a men's mm. magazine. Mm. So, you know, and you talked about, uh, you talked about the interview. Can you describe the interview when you were doing the Gravier? Oh, okay. So I was with this company and they specialize with just like helping people get into Gravier. And um, they took me, no, they took photos of me first. They showed it to a bunch of companies and then like within like two hours, this company said, oh, we want to like make a DVD with her. So I went to, where was it? I went to Shibuya, like some office that they had there. And in the interview, they just sit you down with like a piece of paper and it's like, will you do this? Will you not do this? It was like, okay, will you show your tits? Yes, no. Well, like, okay. okay. Will you wear like a thong? Yes, no. Will you like, you know, they just want to see like what's acceptable to you and what isn't acceptable before they so give you what, the money. <laughs> so, so what did you, like, what weren't you okay doing? Uh, I didn't, I did pretty much everything besides like nudity. Okay. Um, what else? Yeah, it was just, I just didn't do nudity. Okay, so you just. And I didn't. Yeah, they'll ask like, "Will you eat like a like a popsicle or something like kind of <laughs> oh. like shaped?" I was like, "No, I won't do it." But okay, you yeah. said you said you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. so eat the popsicle in like a seductive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like at the fertility festivals. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the little with, with, with the dick shaped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, used, yeah. We so used to the... buy them for the girls and just say, "Hey, hey, please eat," you know. <laughs> and so, oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh for our listeners f- there are fertility festivals here in japan um some people just call them dick festivals because uh <laughs> <laughs> well they celebrate fertility yeah they celebrate fertility sense. but, but you, you know, know us international folks we just simplify shit oh <laughs> you're walking just, around just with a glorification yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're walking around with the big you know 20 foot long wooden dick <laughs> you just know and formal, everybody's wearing dick heads formal you know, glorification of the of the penis yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can YouTube that. Yeah. So now, why wouldn't you do nudity? Because uh, or, or or was it, was it just a personal pride thing? Or it was just like, I mean, for people who are so, I was still like an idol, like a singing idol. Mm. They do gravure, but they tend to not do as like as provocative as somebody who's just like I'm just doing gravure. So at that point, I was singing like, oh, I still want to sing and dance. So I didn't do any nudity so it had more to do with the image or yeah it's furthering. more about the image yeah. yeah they're fine if it's like in a bikini but like if you do nudity they think like oh maybe you're going more towards like av or like porn yeah, or something, yeah yeah which i don't have a problem with but that's just you know not my thing so mm-hmm. okay. plus uh, did your mom and them know about <laughs> it's a funny story that's, that, that's where i was going but yeah tell that yeah, funny yeah. story um she didn't know 
But like my nana, like she saw it on Twitter, like the DVD cover, and she's like, "Oh, somebody photoshopped this picture of you." <laughs> I know my baby wouldn't do nothing like that. Mm-mm. So then she was like calling me, like my mom was calling me, and I was just like ignoring the calls. And then finally, I told her, and obviously, like she disagreed with it, but I mean, she got she got over it after a while. She was like, "You know, it's your body, it's your choice," kind of thing, but. Yeah, I wanted to do more, but I just didn't want to, like, I know I wanted to do, like, another DVD, but I didn't want to, like, I don't know, okay, so push the D- it too much. The DVD things, what, 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 are, what is that? What are you doing in the DVDs? So, in a Gravier DVD, it's mostly, like, I mean, you can say it's not porn, but really, it's just softcore. Like, I'm not going to, like, okay. um, you know, change anything. It's just one girl in the DVD, but they'll be wearing, like, you know, a bikini or something, and it's like, oh, I'm going to work out now and, like, do, mm. uh, what's it called? <laughs> I don't know what these are called. Jumping jacks? Jumping something jacks. Something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. To make the boob shake. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get why, like, you know, I'm not a man, but if I was a man, I don't understand why not watch, like, normal porn. Yeah. Like, But I guess for some people, they like teasing, so okay. I don't know. Yeah, so, all right, so you you're in this industry, um, idol, gravio idol stuff, and how were you feeling after like being in it? Like, were you satisfied? Like, what was it? What you expected, or hmm. did you, yeah? Just so talk I, about that. I one. did a lot of like underground events when I first came to Japan, okay. and my company was like trying to promote me, but I was the first idol that they ever really took on because before they were specializing in I don't know if you know Visual K. Visual K. It's like Gokt. Do you know Gokt? Yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. It's like the kind of like 90s, like rock type of like the men that wear like really like makeup and flamboyant stuff. Oh, okay, okay. It's like that. They were like really specializing in that and they wanted to start working with idols. So I was the first idol that they had. Uh, I feel like they didn't really know how to promote me. So it was a bit like kind of hard at first, but I did a lot of underground events in Akihabara, which is like the district in Japan or in Tokyo known for like uh, otaku or like geek type of stuff. Um, you know, that was cool. And then later on, I was in a group, uh, in a girl group, and that was really fun. And, yeah, everything was fun. It was just very tiring because I was in class, like, every single day. And then, like, working, like, teaching English, you know, just everything. Yeah. Like, every single day I had no free time. Like, lessons with my group, dancing. It just kind of took the enjoyment out of it. So it's, like, it's kind of to be expected, you know. You know, if you're going to be in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. you don't have a day off. But at the same time, I think it would have been a lot better if I didn't have, like, school or, like, so many obligations, you know. Okay. I think yeah. one of the things we looked over here is that uh, in order to uh, get that deep in the industry, of course, your language oh, level yeah. had to be a big benefit because uh, you're fluent, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess so. I'm conversationally fluent. Like, mm. I work at a, like, Japanese bar now in London, mm. and I don't have any problems. And when I lived here, I could live my life normally, go to the doctors, pay my bills, you know, without problems. But, you know, I can't read Naisha or something in Japanese, mm, yeah. so, yeah. yeah. I can barely read it in English, so. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, I guess I'm conversationally fluent. Okay. And, and so, like, what's, you know, describe, like, a normal week for you. Like, I, I know you said you were a student. You had to, uh, you said there's no days off in entertainment. Like, how, how would a normal day go for you? Oh, uh, when as, I was in Japan? Yeah. As okay, so 
when I was with my group, mm -hmm. it was like a normal day. I woke up at 9 a.m. I had dance lessons until maybe like 11, 12. And then we might have had like singing, but it was mostly dancing and workout until 12. And then after that, we had to go to what they called a lunch meeting wasn't a meeting we weren't talking about anything they just you know how in japan you everybody has to do everything as a group yes and the company paid for it so i was happy to get free food <laughs> but that would last from like 12 to like one and i would rush off to class right after that but the thing is is like even if i wanted to like take a day off um or like go leave early from like the lunch meeting um because I had to go to class right after, they'd say, no, you know, this is Japanese culture. Everybody has to do it the same way. So I'd be a little late for class. And then after that, I would go to work. Okay. And then I would get home at like maybe 10. So every day oh, around go. the clock. It was wow. tiring. Or on a day where we had like a live show, we might have like one live show at like, I don't know, in the afternoon, have a break for like an hour, go eat, and then have another live show. And then go home. So yeah, it was very tiring. Okay. Now coming, um, you know, coming from America, coming from Detroit, you know, obviously you're you're a foreigner. Hmm. You're a black woman. Hmm. Was there any um, discrimination towards you? Um, was it more so that you were a foreigner, hmm. or was it more so that you were a black woman? <laughs> I have to say, in day to day life, I'm not gonna say that there wasn't any discrimination, mm -hmm. but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because you know, growing up in Detroit where it's like all black moving to like the suburbs where it's like mostly white you know i've been the only black girl in my class before so it wasn't that new to me but i was expecting more discrimination in japan for being black but personally i felt like i personally experienced more sexism than i experienced racism but i think if i was a black man it would be like different because you know black men go through something different here in japan they do yes but i think in the entertainment industry it's a little different with like um racism you know it, it set me apart like obviously being black but at the same time it, i kind of felt like what's the point of me like learning japanese where it's like there could be like a white girl like at like a modeling like let's say i had like a modeling job or something which i did sometimes she doesn't know, have to know any like japanese at all you know she could be in the west she would be like probably like completely like plain but just because she's white like automatically is like 10 times better than me who can yes. speak japanese so i mean there is that as well yes um so you mentioned that um i lost my train of thought here you said that it was more sexism yeah in japan in america it's more racism for me yeah. personally i don't think i experienced sexism really in america yeah. but in japan i think i personally felt more sexism yeah which you know, me and uh, Buddha both, we are familiar with that. And anyone who's living in Japan, um, male or female, would understand that uh, sexism is, is horrible here. I mean, um, yeah. Mm. So can you can you talk about some of these things that you experienced in regards to sexism? sexism? It wasn't really anything too, like, oh, my God, it's so traumatic. Nothing like that. But it was more so, like, I was dating this guy. He's Japanese. And I remember once saying, I'm not that good at math. And he's like, yeah, you know, women aren't that good at math. And it was just <laughs> like, to him, it was just like a fact, you know? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like, two plus two equals four. It was just a fact for him. And I just couldn't believe it. But, <laughs> I mean, it was just little stuff yeah, just like little that. Stuff, yeah. yeah. All of that is prevalent in the workplace. Mm. And just in the society, I think. And um, 
Yeah, because mostly in America, they it would be a physical thing. I'm like, oh, you know, she's a girl. She can't she can't lift that much or she can't move that much. But so how did you handle that? Uh, I just laughed at that time. Oh, but okay. like, um, you know, it was sometimes like with work, like with my idol stuff, you know, I wouldn't nobody would like call me by my name. Like my manager, if he wanted to call me he'd be like, oh, I'm John, you know, like he would never like call me like yeah. my name, you know. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily sexism if it's an age thing you know something like that but i, I definitely think sexism is prevalent here but yeah, yeah even japanese women admit that it is so mm. yeah and then you know like even with um like i was reading an article that um what's that um the daily beast mm. um jake Adelstein, oh, jake Adelstein yeah. yeah and he wrote an article talking about the dark side of the idol industry mm. and how it, and there was this one incident with uh Yam, yama what's her name yama, uh, is it yamaguchi yamaguchi maho. yeah yeah maho yeah and she basically was harassed right uh attacked um by what was it an idol or was it a fan was it a fan or, yeah or? it's a bit complicated so some other girls in her group because bullying is really really bad within idol groups okay and some other girls in her group didn't like her so they got these fans that they were, like, cool with to basically jump her. Oh, it wasn't, wow. like, a sexual assault. That's what some people were, like, reporting at first. But actually, it was, like, a physical assault. Like, okay. they were in her room, like, trying to, like, jump her, basically. Wow. Yeah. And then, so the, the crazy thing about this sexist culture is that because of all of this came out in the media, because she, I mm. think she did a video and, and you know, she cried talk, and, cried and, and yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. talked about what happened to her. And then, you know, of course, the management gets all this pressure from the media mm. and, and they have to come out and say something. And then she publicly apologizes yeah, and yeah, vows yeah. for this happening to yeah. her. I just like, I was Man, just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow. That's like, this is a culture here where women get attacked and maybe even, not, not in this case, but, you know, sexually assaulted and then, Stalking is really bad Stalking, here too. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah, and then they to have to apologize. Mm. For I was being ready to bring that up too. Yeah, yeah. Stalking. Have you ever experienced that? Or I don't think so. But oh, okay. uh, I mean, I've had like weird occurrences. Like I think all people go through. But okay. I think the weirdest thing that happened was when I did like a grab your event, and um, I have this one fan, this Japanese fan. He's he's really nice. He come he would come from um where was it Fukuoka to okay. see me sometimes and it's really far and he would always give me like gifts and a letter and he's really nice all that type of stuff but it was like I was leaving the gravure event and I took my manager had already left because he had to deal with like another person he was like oh you're fine you can handle it so I took like forever hoping like nobody would see me leaving you know or just like would leave me alone I took forever changing just thinking like okay anybody waiting around would have left and then I come out of the soft map building in Akihabara where they have the event He's out there. He's like, Abi John, Abi John, like waving at me. <laughs> wow. It just took me off guard. But yeah, yeah but it was, it's not really, I guess it's not stalking. <laughs> it just okay. surprised me. I was, I was also reading that the um, these these idols, you, you can't have boyfriends when you're an idol. Uh, okay. It's a bit complicated that. So that's what people call a love band law. But really, like, the real, like, truth about that is they ruled in a court case i think it was against akb i don't remember but the tokyo like courts they ruled that it's unconstitutional to ban anyone from having like a, a, a romantic relationship, relationship. Yeah. so what contracts say is that we control your public image 
in every way or we have full control of your public image so they can't explicitly ban you from dating and most people in idol groups i'm not gonna say most girls date but i say 50 percent of them you know they date it's just you can't be like wilding out basically yeah. yeah 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 or they'll tell you you can't take pictures with men even if it's your boyfriend just don't take any don't pictures with him media. or put it on social media yeah. they have a lot of weird rules you can't write on twitter after like midnight um really yeah because it's like if you're writing at 3 a.m your fans are like oh what type of girl is this you know <laughs> <laughs> so wild um what else can't you do you can't work in the sex industry Okay. Um, if they, fi- I know a few people who have like been banned from the groups, and a lot of idols do it really, but they forbid it. Uh, you can't. Some groups say you can't drink and smoke, which, <laughs> I mean, it's for your voice, but you know they have a lot of rules. If you're at a show, you can't drink around fans because it will like ruin the image. So the love ban thing, it's not really like a ban. You just have to look available. Okay. Yeah. And just have a basically a clear. I mean, clear, clean, um, pure image, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just more about, like, I mean, it's not that different, really, with um, Instagram stars. You know, these Instagram yeah. models and stuff. Yeah. They don't post their boyfriends. Like, a lot of them are yeah, married and have husbands. They might do it every now and then. But, you know, their management's for, like, Instagram models. They tell them, like, not to post, you know, men okay. in their pictures. So, it's the same thing, I think. Okay, so they, they do. T- I, I I would think that would be just, like, a personal preference. Because, like, me, Some I, people I don't, don't want to show. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to show I, my I, partner. Yeah, um, I don't post photos with me and my wife. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I might throw up one every now and then, but I, you won't find a lot of photos of me and my wife on social media yeah so so you i i I think uh what you mentioned that they want you to look available yeah they just want you to look available i don't really think they care what you do in your private life as long as you're not like costing them money at the end of the day it's about money so because i was saying damn with all them damn restrictions man i hope they paid y'all well and shit Mm. okay um i so everybody gets paid different wages. Basically, at the most idols make their money because at the end of the show, fans can pay to take a picture with you. It's usually five hundred yen. Some are a thousand yen. Some are like three thousand yen, which is like I don't know. The average is like five to ten dollars, I guess, in U.S. dollars. And they take a photo with you in a Polaroid, and they get to talk with um, the idols as well. So if you sell like a lot of those, you're going to be earning more than like group members who aren't earning that much you make money from cd sales things like that so that's pretty much how idols make most of their money average idols for big groups like akb stuff like that i think they get paid like maybe 10 no 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 juman like ten thousand. i don't know how much it is in like about a thousand dollars a month so they don't get paid that much you know Mm, but explain to our audience what just a quick description of what akb Okay. Forty eight is okay. Okay, AKB forty eight is like one of the most like popular modern idol groups. Um, they have like hundreds of members. Well, not hundreds. They have like a little over a hundred members, but only the top famous are pushed in the media. I think only like the top ten really are like known to the media. Most people, you know, you could walk around Shibuya Shinjuku, you'll see somebody who's like in one of these groups. You wouldn't even know because they're not famous. Um. So they're a big group in Japan, and every year they hold an annual election for your favorite member. And whoever gets to the top, they get to be promoted by the group. So the way that they increase their ticket sales is by, um, you can vote by buying a CD. 
So that pushes them to the top of the charts. So it's a good marketing plan, really. So fans will buy, like, hundreds of CDs just to vote for, like, the same girl over and over again and then just get rid of the CDs because they don't really care (laughs) about the music, you know? Right. So, yeah, Yeah. AKB, they have a bunch of different groups now, like, all over the world. I think they're making one in India. They have one in the Philippines, Taiwan, Thailand. U.S.? Uh, No, they plan a Mexico one, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't it work in the U.S.? Oh, I don't think it would work at all. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, your mm. opinion as to why wouldn't it work? I have my mm. opinion, but I'd like <laughs> to hear it from you. Uh, a few reasons. I think a big reason is that, like, you wouldn't have really girls dressing in like school uniforms, dancing on a stage. Like, people would already find that. You know, I can think about the think pieces now that people would make about that. Oh, yeah. And then. I mean, even though America, you know, we've had like Britney Spears, you know, she dressed in like a school uniform and was sexy and all that type of stuff. But I think it's a different era now. I don't really think you would really see that. And most idol fans in Japan are, they have a lot of female idol fans, but most of them are like, you know, men in their 20s, 30s, sometimes even 40s. Okay, if most of the girls are like 17, you know, in America, you know, people are going to find that problematic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't really see it ever working in out in the West, really. Yeah, could, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they'll they'll shut it. They'll shut the yeah, ass yeah, down. FBI, take them Chris to court. Hansen. FBI, <laughs> fathers will be waiting and shit. I'm gonna fuck that motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, because I, I I look at it myself and I'm like, what do these guys see? These girls look barely past puberty. But yet you got a lot of guys in their 40s and over there with cameras and yeah, and yeah, waiting. yeah. I mean, I've even seen like. It's really, like, shocking when I saw it, but I was, like, this modeling show, and they also have, like, these kid idol groups in the modeling sh- show as well, and they were, like, eight, nine, ten years old, and at the show, it's, like, all these men with, like, these big, big cameras, and I knew that existed in Japan, but it's, like, what the fuck, like, you know, yeah. I was really, like, what, and I don't think it's, obviously, some people are just, like, pedophiles, you know, they're sick or something like that, but I don't really think it's, like, completely sexual for most of like the idol fans oh, and really? stuff. I don't I don't think it's like a completely like sexual thing. Obviously for some people it is, but yes. I don't really think that's what they get out of it. Well, you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but it seems like a lot of these males cuz you said it's predominantly males that are fans, right? Yeah, 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 that spend all that money and stuff. Yeah. Um maybe they um can't yeah, maybe they're not lucky with having real relationships. You think that's the issue? I think it's just easy. Okay. Yeah, it's the same reason why. I don't know. I think it's just easy just to like have this idealized person. You know, she's not really a girlfriend, but she's always available. You know, like mm-hmm. she has this image that you can look up to. I mean, it's the same with girls that are fans of, like, BTS or these K-pop groups. It's the same thing. You know, they're available. They're, like, the perfect partner, you know. You could spend money to meet them. and. I mean, just based on your experience Mm. and what you know, are these guys, are some of them married? Yeah, yeah, some are married. (laughs) Some are. But I think... Most of the time, people think that, like, idol fans are, like, in their 40s and stuff like that. There are, like, older men that are idol fans. But from my experiences of being, like, at the shows and stuff, most of them are, like, kind of, I guess you could say young men, like, in their 20s and stuff. I so mean, so it, it would be, like, in America, it would be the equivalent of, like, married men going to the strip club, I guess. 
you know, just just to, just to see some yeah, eye, kind some of, kind eye candy, of, yeah. you know. But I think with the Japanese dudes, you know, they're really into cuteness. Yeah. The ka- kawaii. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. You know, where you know, I know. Well, I can't speak for all brothers, but the brothers <laughs> I know be like, damn, bro, you know, where that ass at? Where they, you know, <laughs> and she ain't got nothing sticking out there and stuff, you know, because because I, I I've seen some of these guys, you know, on TV, and they're like look like they're in their 30s and like you say maybe even 40s and they're clapping like little kids you yeah, know yeah 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 and they're like they're oh really into and they're it. waving like you know I, we ain't on camera but the little cute little wave like you do at your little you know you at your little baby daughter or some shit like <laughs> that you know it just it's weird to me but yeah that's their thing you know and mm. so okay so you you have this you know you move to japan you experience being idle mm. um what happens like because you, you're in mm. london now what what did you decide that Japan, you had to get away and experience something else? I really loved living in Japan. Okay. You know, I loved everything about it. It was just with school. Like, for me, doing the idol stuff and, like, I can't say I wasn't getting anywhere because my group was getting, like, a major debut and stuff like that. But it was, first of all, it's not good for, like, mental health to be, like, working that much. Like, I had no free time every single day. And I even adopted, like, this Japanese mindset, like, oh, my God, if I have free time, I need to do, you know, I need to do something. I wouldn't let myself relax. So I got to the point where I was like, look, I've had a good time here, and I just want to focus on graduating because I spent all this money for college you know I want to graduate and have something to show for it and I visited London and I loved it it's completely like multicultural you know it's more diverse than I think like New York or you know something like that it's completely like integrated and everything like that and you know Japan isn't as like that long way to go yeah 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 so I'm studying um like social anthropology so I thought a place that was diverse would be the best place to really study that nice. so, yeah and then so you mentioned earlier that you um you are a sex workers rights mm. activist and a sex worker yes okay so how did you get into that um it was when i lived in japan okay and i heard about like the whole sugar daddy thing like on tumblr you know internet when i was like in high school and i never really thought it would be for me but i tried it a bit like when i first came here and i met a few people and it was all right but then like i didn't have any money like for school to like continue like my education and stuff you know my parents they kind of helped me and i was getting like you know student loans and stuff like that but it's not nearly enough to really support myself in tokyo and i have a sister who's uh, quite ill with uh, sickle cell. So my parents, you know, they spend a lot on, uh, what's it called, medical expenses and stuff. And maybe it's just something about me, but I was like, oh, I don't want to be a burden to them. Like, I felt like oh, I don't want to keep asking them for money, you know. It's not their fault, you know. You ask them for money, it's like, oh, you know, I got to wait. Let me let me wait two, two weeks before I got my check, you know. If you need money and you're in Tokyo, you know, you need money now. You yeah, need money then. So... It was kind of a natural progression for me. And living here, I met so many, like, foreign women, girls, Japanese girls that that was just what they did. They were a sex worker. You know, they might have been an escort. They might have been a stripper, worked at a hostess club. So for me, you know, all my friends were doing it. I was like, hey, you know, let me get this check. Yeah. 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 So then, so basically, I guess, you know, 
you were over Japan and then mm. you went to London and you picked it back up there? Is that, um, is that how it... So for London, I do like more like dominatrix work and stuff like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> you don't look the type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what I do in London and get paid a lot better there than nice. in Japan. But nice. yeah. and, and so how do you, where do you like, because I mean, you know, you can be a, a, sex, a sex worker but not be a sex worker activist yeah so yeah what what made you want to uh, um, pursue activism so when i was in japan i knew there was like sex worker like activist groups in japan um i was kind of interested in that but you know when i like first started i wasn't thinking like oh i wasn't like woke about it like i wasn't the sex worker i was like oh i need money i need to eat right now you know yeah. i wasn't i wasn't really thinking about that i wasn't thinking about long term and you know, when you're young, you don't think about how stuff is going to impact, like, your mental health, your social health. You're just thinking, like, now. Yes. So I think I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't really talk to anybody, like, about it. Like like I said, I had friends. You know, all my friends were, like, doing it. But it was just nobody really, like, talked about, like, what people go through. Like, with, um, I lived, or no, when I worked in Japan, I worked with a lot of women that were, like, from Eastern Europe like for this Japanese like agency a lot of them were like from Eastern Europe South America they were like migrants and I think like we don't really like talk about that like we talk about trafficking but we don't talk about people who are like in it and like what they go through so when I moved to London I found like these organizations these support groups um they even had like kickboxing classes like self-defense classes for like sex workers and I got involved with that I got involved with the community meeting people there and I was like I don't want like other young girls or boys, whoever's doing it. I don't want young people to be in the same situation like as I was, like not being well informed. So that's why, like, really, I got into activism just to just, I don't know, like make some type of difference. If somebody finds themselves in that situation where um, they're desperate for money or something, I don't want them to. I want them to be well informed. You know how to be safe about it. How to, um, you know, everything yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, that's and how I got into it. And you know. You know, everybody thinks differently about this this mm. topic, but you know, it's what they call it—the oldest profession in, in yeah, the world. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so if it, if it is a profession, yeah, y- you want to be treated equal like everybody else, and you want to have rights, and 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 right. like you said, you want to make sure you're mentally stable to do something like this. Mm. And you know, a lot of people do jump into it uh, you know like I'm, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing like I'm not saying like oh everybody needs to go do you know yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna glamorize it. I don't <laughs> like the like whole like glamorizing it because I think it kind of like you know young people who see that think oh yeah, I can make a fast money you know something like that I don't think it should so be you, glamorized so you wouldn't recommend I wouldn't necessarily recommend it but if somebody was gonna do it and they were set on doing it and you know they needed the money then I would say you know this is how you stay safe this is how okay. you do this you know but I wouldn't say it's like an easy option yes because it's not easy yeah yeah, no no yeah the money might be easy but you know which you money i don't think is easy shit well (laughs) well meaning that it's fast money oh you know but yeah oh not to cut you off but uh you were going you know just to go back a little bit you were talking about the experiences of some of the women you met like from the eastern europe and yeah can can you just give an example a quick example you don't have to mention any names or anything but 
just a quick example of maybe what the average woman was going through? Because I, I used to read up on that stuff myself mm. uh, a long time ago. So could you give us an example, if you don't mind? No, no, I don't mind. I think a lot of people see it as like human trafficking, which does exist. You know, trafficking does exist. But I don't think people think about like... When you come from another country, you come to Japan, You if you can't speak Japanese, like most of these women I work with can't speak Japanese, like really what options do they have to make money to send home? Like, yeah, they could work at Coco Curry or like uh, at Lawson or something, you know, the convenience stores, but they're not going to make any money to send home to their family. So for them, it's kind of a, I don't want to say an easy option, but it is an option for them. And I think um, some of their experiences, like I said, most of them didn't really speak Japanese, which is like a really big problem for migrant sex workers not being able to speak the language because you can't advocate for yourself. You can't go to the police. You can't, I mean, find good work, you know, agencies, jobs, clients, they'll get over on you because they know like you're vulnerable. You're a migrant. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that has to be, you know, um, separated, you know, human trafficking and someone pursuing this just because you know they chose to you know and and mm. they, they're not in the they're not under the circumstances of you know coming from a third world country or or you know that that type of situation or being forced to do it right i think with trafficking as well though like obviously it's different than somebody making like a full informed choice exactly. but even with trafficking like if somebody is trafficked to japan and they go to the police and said look i'm trafficked um they're making me work as a prostitute they're making me work as a brothel you know in a brothel yeah. something like that the police are going to deport them they're still going to be put into jail how is that helping like a trafficking victim so for yeah. me too like i want people to think like you know how to help people that are willingly into it but i also think we need to talk about like the people that are being forced into it because you know why why would they go to the police the police are going to yeah, put them in jail you know exactly. so yeah 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 the old uh hey we got a nice opening for a singer and everything so yeah. you can come up here and sing in this nightclub and you get <laughs> paid this and then when they get over here they take your passport yeah. and say okay you owe us this debt and you got to work it off and and at uh you know, a sex joint like a soap land or something yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. you know. Cool, cool. So what's it like being a dominatrix? In, <laughs> it, were you ever a dominatrix in Japan? No, no, no. So so in England what what what's it, uh, how did you get how did you get introduced to it cuz I listen to a lot of podcasts about, you know, different, you know, cuz I'm I'm a I'm a very, you know, I'm interested in a lot of stuff, you know. I like to learn a lot of stuff. I'm not into it, but uh you know, I hear the stories of, hey, you know, I was approached by this person or whatever. How did, how did you get into it in England? Uh, I mean, it's not like America there. Like, it's com it's legal there. It's, like, completely legal and stuff like that there. So um, I just looked it up. I mean, it was easier for me, I think, to do, like, dominatrix stuff. It's just take out my anger. <laughs> I don't know. Um I do prefer like working in Japan just because it is a lot more, I guess, organized, you know, in Japan. It's like out in the open, everything like they say prostitution is illegal in Japan. It isn't. It's just. Um, sorry, this is a bit graphic, but it's just like vaginal sex is considered prostitution. Oh, but, like everything okay. else around it is completely legal. Like so, you know, everything is okay, like legal. Yeah, yeah. So in Japan, it's like out in the open, whereas in Japan, in England, I mean, it's legal, but it's not like it's not socially. It's like America. It's not yeah, very it's not like socially, socially talked about. Talked about yeah, yeah. Or acceptable. Yeah. So I got into it basically by like 
you know, meeting people there at like, you know, they have like sex worker breakfasts, talk, ad- advocacy, meeting people there. I think like in Amsterdam or like Germany, it's like com- like everything is like legal, like okay. brothels, stuff like that is like completely legal. Yeah. And like, and I think Prague too. You have to get tested. Like Czech Republic. Yeah, Czech Republic. A lot of yeah. people, places in Europe is legal. Because I've been there. I've been to um, Czech Republic and mm. um, yeah, they, I've, I've heard like I had some buddies that kind of <laughs> indulged in that and. Yeah, it's it's legit. I think, though, in England, it's treated as a business. But I think sex workers, we don't really want legalization. We rather have like decriminalization because then you can decide like how you want to work. If you want to work for somebody else, you can work for somebody else. Okay. If you want to work on your own, you can work for your own. But like in England, you have to like be independent. Whereas like in Japan, yeah, <clears throat> once they legalize it, then they're gonna. They're it's like find it's like weed, to, you know. Yeah. Like once they legalize it, they find ways to like control, control it and you. regulate yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it's better if it's like decriminalized, in my opinion, because mm. you know then if somebody wants to buy it from their friend that they always been buying it from, they can buy it from them. Or if they want to go up to some like yuppie shop or something, they can buy it there too. Yeah, oh, I could dig that. Yeah. Okay, so as as a dominatrix, you know, because mm. I've I've heard a lot of interviews from dominatrixes on these different podcasts and everything. So I guess one of the advantages is is that you don't have to have sex with the quote unquote submissive or your customer or what yeah, whomever. Yeah, yeah. So is that one of the benefits of it? Or uh, I guess like I don't know. I don't really like. I can't say I don't like Englishmen because I married one, but uh, I don't know. I don't really like. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not talking about. I guess about, it's a benefit. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I you know, not. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about you know, like, because uh, I hear them say that hey, one of the advantages is is that they don't have sex and their customers Sometimes who it's come easier just to, to be <laughs> to be uh, let's say tied up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They're not there to have sex with them. They are there to be Beaten. let's say controlled. Yeah, or, yeah, and controlled or, or mind fucked or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's a lot more. I guess interesting. Mm, it's more interesting. Yeah, it yeah, you have to think about like different scenarios and like stuff like that. It's entertainment. Right? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. More, it's, it's like entertainment, yeah, really. Yeah, it's yeah. like being an actress or something. Exactly. But I think sometimes it is easier probably just to have sex, but to be honest. A, yeah. You made an interesting point about you would rather it decriminalize than legalize. Because yeah. I'm a big advocate of, hey, legalize prostitution. Yeah. You know, uh, get the government involved, regulate it, control the pimps mm. and this, that, and the other. But now you feel that there's a disadvantage in legalization. Because I'm thinking that, you know, you could join, you you know, you could have your own union. You could mm. pay your taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be protected just mm. like uh, an average. Any other worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's when I was looking at legalization because... You know, you can't stop it. Mm. It's supply and demand. It's n- never going to be stopped. Mm. So I don't know why we're throwing all these guys in jails for for soliciting and all this, that, and the other, you know, when it's like, hey, this is what they're going to do anyway. And even the guys who enact the laws in the states, you find out they get caught doing it, you know. So, Politicians. So, yeah, yeah. So, but you, you feel that, that the um, decriminalization is better than the legalization. Yeah, because if you legalize, if you decriminalize it, then, like I said, you can decide if you want to be independent or if you would like want to work for someone else. Um, you can still have unions and have it be decriminalized. But if you look at like Nevada, where it is legal in some places, yes. like in these brothels and stuff like that, you know, they have to they can't leave the brothel. They have to like live there. They cannot leave there. They have to get checked every week. Uh, like at 8 a.m. for like STIs. And I, I think it's important to get checked. But 
every week is kind of like it's a bit overkill especially when they do everything protected um they can't leave because for some reason they think like if they leave they're gonna like go to the club and you know get st i don't know yeah but i'll give it up for free or yeah some yeah shit yeah like that. so they can't leave which i don't you know i don't think that's cool so, so that's so. the part yeah like you said the that's control why I think decriminalization yeah oh, yeah okay, okay, because okay. you have the choice to just hey i'm going to work hey i'm coming it's home like, like any like, other job it's like micromanaging the your, your life yeah your, your, but on the same token you could be like your own independent contractor yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. do you see yourself doing this for for a while or just a short time um, or I, what, what are your other dreams and ambitions you got you know? i'd like to save enough money to like start my own business i don't really know what i'd like to start a business in i know i'm going to university for social um anthropology and i wanted to become like a phd at a university which i you know i still do or not phd i'd lecture at a university and get my phd which i still like want to do you know my dad has a phd and he like does academic stuff so i'd still like to go for you know something like that but i'd like to start my own business uh i don't know what in i've like looked into a lot of like i read like a lot of business books and like you know think and grow rich all that type of stuff Mm, so i want to start you know my own thing i don't want to have to work for someone else no i can see it now you know amina dujan (laughs) phd (laughs) and also on the side i'll tie your ass up (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so before we, spanking on you. <laughs> before we get out of here, I, I wanted to, I know you got a, a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, do. Yeah, so shout that out. What's the purpose for that channel? What are you doing on that channel? Okay, so I really love subcultures, love them for a long time, internet subcultures. So on my YouTube channel, um, I have a series I call um, Internet Insider, and I go into like in depth into different subcultures on the internet cover it from kind of like a more unbiased point of view because you usually see people laughing at people making fun of them you know stuff like that and i mean some stuff is cringy it's funny but i want to like actually go from it from a more, more not academic but like more informative like get to understand people a bit yes. better so my youtube channel is um you can look up amina dujan on youtube and it'll come up but oh. yeah doing weekly uploads on there okay Cool, cool. Anything else you want to shout out before we get out of here? Uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram. I don't have Snapchat, so okay. yeah. Same thing at Amina. Amina Dijon, yeah. How do you spell it? Uh, Amina A M I N A space du D U and John space J E A N. Yeah, because you know people yeah. think sex work sex work advocacy. Amina do John like the John, you know the guy. That oh. <laughs> I'm a John, so it must be John, you know. And and yeah. so I didn't want you to miss out on any, you know, yeah, body we'll, following we'll, you. Yeah, we'll we'll put that in the, yeah, the yeah, description. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for thank coming you out. So much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it too. Hope you have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, the first Black Idol, man. We are in the yeah. presence. Before, before we yeah, get yeah, out of yeah, here, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I meant to bring that up, but yeah. you are the first Black Idol, right? Yeah. I mean, there's been like mixed, like mixed? Black and Japanese like okay. idols and stuff. I guess I'm okay. like the first like non-Japanese Black. Okay. Idol. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Man, black people doing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Represent Japan in this universe. Oh. Winning some damn tennis tournaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's half, but y'all y'all needed the melanin to win the get over the hump. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause as soon as soon as Cliff told me, I was like, What? I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah but right. it's been a pleasure talking Thank to you. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that's it from the Royal Urban Mobile Podcast. Guess we're about to go over here and check out this 
the Tokyo Rainbow Pride Rainbow Pride, baby, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're going to have a parade, but I think they got stuff going on in the park. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. Peace Peace out. Thank you, Amina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbean.com. Or you can head straight to Google and type in Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can stream or download podcasts.